0: I
1: think we're good. 215?
0: For 215. Movie-schmovie? Movie-schmovie. Steve? John? Hello.
2: <laughs> That's <laughs> your first name, doing? right? Yes. My name is Ronald. Better known as Hello. hmm Hello. <laughs> <clears throat>
1: So this is a, a little uh, day and date episode for us. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. A nice rare thing. We all got to see an advanced screening of the latest Star Wars film. I think we'll do the usual pattern of general thoughts and conversation yeah. and sure. then maybe get into some spoilery thoughts towards the end. So we'll just let you folks out there listening know when it's about to be unsafe, you can consider yourself warned. Sure. Just first impressions. There's so much baggage around this film. There was mm-hmm. so much about the production history of yeah. it. And then that just the notion that it's a Star Wars film and that it's the second of these Star Wars stories standalone films. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of conversation and, and just stuff to suss out and parse if you're going to really figure out not just what this movie is, but what it represents. Sure. So I guess I would say, what were your general feelings about the film and the sense that this was a troubled production? So the fact that they put a movie in
2: theaters seemed almost like an accomplishment. Yeah, you knew it was going to get to theaters. It's just more impressive that it got to theaters on time. hmm and you could tell that the movie, I mean, it it has been ready for a while. Like it had its, you know, premiere at Cannes, and you know, they were talking about it way ahead of time. And that's that's impressive. Yeah. Considering <coughs> that Lord Miller were replaced almost as the film was wrapping, and Ron Howard comes in and reshoots what what multiple outlets say like seventy to eighty percent of the movie. It's solely a Ron Howard directing credit. They Strange. Lord Miller have like an executive producer credit, yes. I think. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's all that considered, like, it's just this weird thing that's happening with their Star Wars stories movies, Mm -hmm. where they kind of like go with this, you know, outside of the box choice for director, you know, whether it was Gareth Edwards, and then that kind of went wrong, or it kind of seemed like it went off the tracks a little bit. Mm -hmm. And Tony Gilroy comes in and rewrites a lot of stuff, or he shoots a lot of stuff, and that movie comes out. For the most part, people really enjoyed it. And you know, you could see the seams in it though, you know, you could really feel that movie was cut up a bit. I want to add to that point Steve, I think you could see that
1: because the marketing push started about a year out from totally the film. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That first trailer was a trailer for, I think for the first cut of the yes, film, for the Gareth Edwards right. version. Totally and by right. the time the movie came out, even in the second batch of trailers, they had changed the tone in some ways they yeah. had they had changed certain shots but yeah. and then it'd get to the movie and some of the money shots from the trailers weren't even, even there and yeah. and then you know you think about with solo there was all this conversation about why they waited so long before they showed any footage or before we saw anything right and it almost seems like maybe they learned that lesson from Rogue one I'm sure of at least with this production that shifted hands and maybe had a different directorial voice at the end um, uh, at least let's present a a a consistent image of what this movie is going to be.
2: But, what, but what's happening with the, 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 star Wars movies. Like, why is that happening to those films? Like, what is it, is it, and there, and there stories that exist, you know, inside of these original trilogy, the prequels, the sequels, like they're in and around these stories. It's like, what, what's happening with those where like, it's, 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 it's almost like they think like, we're going to be a little more flexible, a little more like think out of the box with these movies. And you have, you know, Gareth Edwards and you have Lord Miller and, you know, they get brought in and you're like, oh, cool. These are maybe some genuine ideas or or voices of some kind, whatever track they're on. But then, you know, something happens where it's not, it's not fitting into the mold of what Lucasfilm wants. And then they come in and replace him with somebody that's maybe more of like a a straight guy, like Gilroy. And even though Gilroy is a little different to himself, but especially Ron Howard, Mm -hmm. um, to kind of right the ship. It's... it's, I don't know. It's weird. It, it, all to say, like, the, the drama around the production was the same and greater than Rogue One for this film. You know, like, Rogue One had a lot of that too about the reshoots and changing the story and changing some, some key sequences. But this movie, you're talking about, like, 80% of it was reshot. Like, that's insane. Mm-hmm. And to stay on target to come out, you know, and to, deli- to deliver the product on time is insane. And impressive too, because, I mean... I I mean, we'll get into you know more specific thoughts, but I mean overall, it's just a fun movie, and it's anything. I think they did a pretty good job, all that considered. You know, to go from you know back in the fall, winter, whatever it was, like this whole big hubbub about them being replaced. But all I keep thinking about, like even after our screening, was just like, because I was talking to Aaron, and maybe you can we can have a conversation about this too. Was like, I don't understand, like maybe what they're what they're mission is with the Star Wars stories, these outside mm. of the trilogy movies. Maybe I don't understand like what they're trying to do or if they're trying to expand the scope of Star Wars or just like stay in the sandbox that we already are playing in right. and just like add some detail to it. You know what I mean, and and I think that's what maybe eventually is going to lose my interest, like the the discussions about like a Lando film and an Obi Wan film and all these things and possibly multiple solo films. I'm not saying that I won't see those movies, especially the Obi Wan one I'd have interest in, but like, what are they trying to do to get away from like those yeah. stories? I think
0: I think some of that has to do with the idea that maybe because at at this point. Uh, Star Wars has its own legs. It's not associated with George Lucas anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. So what that means is it's kind of like... <clears throat> it's kind of like... <clears throat> it's like a Jason mask at this point. Like, anybody that puts it on is jason and can kind of move around in it and there's something kind of good about it but something also terrible so you're saying about it. they need to do like a
2: jason in space <laughs> <spin-off> <laughs> exactly. of, as a star wars There's something about <laughs> i mean
0: because it's now ne- it's not it's no longer attached to i mean they did a really good job of separating george lucas from this idea I, right? yeah i understand the fact that they're so separate means that they can just make this this malleable thing and it doesn't have to have any shape it doesn't have to have anything if they don't want it to because this is the sacrifice i mean it's let's I mean for all the praise that we give Disney this is the sacrifice of it being a part of this world there's like a it is a commodity and I've never felt I mean like sure when we were younger there were like Star Wars toys and stuff like this I've never felt like Star Wars was Star Wars was more of a commodity than when Disney touched it they have they have, just they have, instantly they've hoarded out in a way that like feels a little like I mean I don't, I don't know I don't I'm not talking about the integrity, because that's we're talking about two different things: the integrity of the story versus what it is that they're doing that may interfere with the integrity. Mm-hmm. Some some of the things that happen when when like, for one thing, we're in an age where we just have too much information, which is something I was kind of talking about. Because I wonder, it the fact that it's an informed thing makes me wonder if it's affected your perception of it. I mean, like you may think that there may have been some flaws in the story but would we have been so critical of it if we just didn't know if it just came from one person we didn't hear anything about the 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 shitty things that happened with the directors changing hands and things like that
1: the studio wants to say we're going to give directors a free hand with these movies and then as they go along they get more and more it's like you know what you you don't know what you want but you know what you don't want And so there is still a a studio-driven aspect, you know? This is not an auteur-driven franchise. Right. It's like Marvel in the sense that it's studio-driven, but it is trying to attract the talent of of these directors with visions. And I do think they're sincere in wanting to do that. I think when they hired Lord and Miller, they they were proud of themselves for hiring comedy directors to make a film that if we look at the script by uh, Lawrence Kasdan and his son John Kasdan, it is a funny script. It's got lots of comedy beat, like the, the yeah. story hinges on kind of a light comedy the same way that a heist film does or the same way that a you know people on a mission film can do where it's the people interacting with each other. So I can see why they thought, oh, this will be a shoe-in. But I can also see how the script has so much connective tissue that's conveyed in dialogue that if it, if it was this riff happy atmosphere that Lord and Miller were engendering on set where there's lots of improv, yeah. I could see the studio getting increasingly worried are we going to have the movie that we need to connect Mm -hmm. here? Short of throwing in like voiceover or something like that, how are we going to put all these pieces together? So I can see the... I, I was watching this movie thinking, I can see how if this comedy was pushed a little too far or if the actors were getting a little too far off of the beat, it might have been... Not the movie that they were trying to make. Now, why are they suddenly getting skittish when they're midway into production with this stuff? I don't know that they didn't save us from a mediocre movie from Gareth Edwards and a mess of a movie from Lord and Miller. I have I have no frame of reference for
2: that. There's probably a very good chance that they did. And Ron Howard is a pro. Yeah. And they brought him
1: in because he was the guy to bring it in on time and not change the release date. You know, I, even I though that seemed yeah. unlikely. I know. But 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 what does that say? What, back to your original question about the future of this. Mm-hmm. When next time they announce some amazing talent to make one of these movies, aren't we all? going to be kind of holding our breath until they actually deliver something I mean Ryan Johnson's experience is one thing right? and that's kind of heartening um, so maybe that maybe it will maybe they've straightened it out now maybe they kind of know what the pipeline is because they haven't announced the next yeah, movie yet yeah, they, it's, it's the, similar to what Marvel's been doing with holding off on announcing a bunch of shit the, right, right. maybe that slate that weight that burden what you're talking about with the over overexposure right, right. um Maybe that is a lot of coming from just us feeling like we know what all this is. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, the fact that it is a fun movie, as you said, is sort of almost an afterthought to all of this crazy stuff. Like all the stories have been about the Troubles, how it's expected to open low for a Star Wars film, at least in the Disney era, all these things that sort of point to a movie that is much more of a problem than I think this ultimate movie is, which is a, it's, I I don't know, I I wonder when it will be that this movie will actually outlive the shadow of of the hype and that Star Wars fans are so argumentative and can't be pleased that there's its almost like this is the moment when when we see the weakness of the Star Wars brand mm-hmm. what it's
2: interesting because I think I, I guess that's that that's the deviation point that I'm, I'm curious where it is because we are very up on like movie news like we look all the time mm-hmm. but I feel like gen, genuinely a lot of people don't mm-hmm. you know a lot of people don't know like, about the drama behind the production of this film. They just know, oh, it's another Star Wars film. I like Star Wars movies. I'm going to go see it. But, I mean, but then there's tons of Star Wars fans that are on top of, like, the fan sites and know every detail of everything going on. So there's obviously different, you know, portions of people that are at different levels of knowing what's going on
1: what's the opposite of a really fun bunch of people <laughs> that's what Star Wars fans are right? Yeah. so
0: that group of people so critical nobody I mean, like,
1: nobody hates Star Wars more than a Star Wars fan but, but
2: I mean like people that I work with I know that are really stoked on seeing it like they don't they don't really know much about like the behind the scenes stuff
0: happening mm-hmm. with it but the fact that they it's so m- accessible though The fact is, you literally Google it sometimes and it'll like, that's the first thing that comes Mm -hmm. up. But I think a lot lot of people just go to movies, though. (laughs) so crazy. I feel like some people just go to see a movie because they like the trailer. And this is definitely the
1: catchiest movie if you're going to look for what to see this weekend. Exactly.
2: Exactly. And I guess that's what, I've just really been thinking about where that point is, like that fracture point of like, knowing too much, knowing... Enough to know you want to see the movie, which is basically seeing a trailer and liking it, yeah. or being familiar with the property and, and wanting to continue supporting the franchise, or whatever. But I guess just as like a content question, I just I'm so curious what they plan to do with these Star Wars stories because like they've announced like the John Favreau thing and they've announced the Benioff and Weiss thing, right. and uh, Abrams is doing Episode Nine, but like we don't know much more about these stories. Except for like you hear Lando and Obi Wan, but like again, there's all this connective tissue. Like they just they're still pulling back to the things and the characters that we've already been introduced to. Yeah, and if they wanted to exist outside of that, like what what platform is going to give that? You know. I don't follow Rebels. I don't follow all this stuff that I hear people talk about. Oh, you mean the show? Yeah, Star Wars Rebels. I don't because people were talking about it after the screening, explaining things to me, and I was like, "Well, I don't know that, you know." But I'm a Star Wars fan, but I don't follow that. At its best, that
1: content can be cool in a way. The movies, every now and then, something like an episode of Rebels will be cool in a way that these movies can't be because it is telling a smaller story, and it's poking at like a little margin of the universe. But most of the time, I would say that stuff is ancillary, and I'm I would be annoyed if I thought the movies depended on me watching 20 episodes of a cartoon. Agreed. In order
2: to appreciate it, I'm not so. suggesting that either. I'm just curious with this new Star Wars universe mm-hmm. of like streaming platform. disney's going to have, you know, Favreau's doing. Isn't that a series? The live action show that's going to rely on a lot of motion capture. Right. So that, and then Benioff and Weiss have a series mm-hmm. apparently, like. What of those is going to give a truly new story right. that exists in Star Wars? I
1: think they're going to start doing that a lot. I think here's the thing with Solo, uh, and I think Rogue One as well, but I think Solo in particular. <clears throat> a long time ago, I read that Kazden said when they brought him on, they asked him what story he yeah, would I want to that, write, yeah. and he said Solo. Recently, I've been reading that when Lucasfilm went over to Disney, mm. that they, they, they got along with that the plans for whatever George Lucas was kind of mm. tinkering around with doing. And one of those things was a solo film. Uh-huh. And that they said, we want to do that too. And they offered it to Lawrence Kasdan. So I don't know whether it was the studio or Kasdan. But either way, it was Kasdan saying, yes, I love writing this character. He's the best character because he's funny and he's unpredictable. And we don't right. know much about him. And the studio saying, we've never really done this. We've never really made a movie about Han yet. You know
0: mm.
1: I think that was part of the package when things went over to Disney. And they were talking about what are we going to do. Yeah. I think that was in the hopper. And so I almost feel like it might be the last... And, like, episode nine, these are the last sort of, like, burning off the things that are in the hopper that were set in stone and that they knew they were going to do. Right. I almost feel like whatever that third story is, whatever comes after that, whatever Favreau's show is like, I think that's where you'll start to see them maybe making more confident moves that do feel like we could step away from this. We don't need the Skywalker story. In fact, audiences are... There's backlash against The Last Jedi. There's pre-backlash against Solo.
2: You'd think that... One of those movies would please everybody in the fan base, but it doesn't. I'm, like, all for, like, some of this connective tissue, and I think that yeah. in a lot of ways it's almost, like, required just to kind of keep people satisfied. Right. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like relying on it for the gotcha moments or for, like, the things that people are going to remember about your movie, if mm-hmm. it's that, like, that's a problem. Yeah. Like, remembering the last 20 minutes of Rogue One and the Darth Vader appearance, most people will talk about that when they're talking about Rogue One. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that, I mean, I enjoyed that movie too, but I think that's a problem, that that's what they take away from that story, Mm -hmm. not the hour and 50 minutes prior of this, like, heist story, or whatever it was, you know what I mean, whatever you want to angle it as, and I just think that, like, you know, and that's, like, a a missed opportunity to build characters in this world that can exist, and not all die, spoiler alert, you know, (laughs) between the one, the start and end of one film, and it's just, like, it matters to the episode four, but... This movie doesn't matter to these characters really anymore. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like that was my big thing with like Rogue One, and like I thought about it a lot watching Solo, just like filling in the lines of like who Solo was and, and the Kessel Run and mm-hmm. meeting Lando and you know that stuff's fun and like that's like the smile wink moments and stuff mm. like that. But some of the more interesting stuff I thought was stuff with him and Amelia Clark, you yeah. know, and like some of the stuff that had nothing to do with the stuff that. We knew already. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, some of the less interesting things to me was like how uneventful maybe the Kessel Run felt to me mm. in the film. Yeah. And more moments of like, you know, when he's just just the opening sequence when he's like escaping with her, you know, and trying to get through the checkpoint. And it doesn't like that stuff I enjoyed more almost yeah. in this film.
1: I heard that Solo got off to a slow start. And I actually found that first half hour to be maybe my favorite stretch of the I movie.
2: Agreed. Because it, agreed. the
1: momentum of like what was happening with the character, I enjoyed it. I mean, I'll just go ahead and say yeah. it, since we're maybe now getting into Joel yeah, let's thoughts, do it. I really, I really enjoyed it a lot. And I mean, I'm, I can't say love, but I maybe after a second viewing, maybe after some of these moments stick in my mind more. I thought it was a super fun movie that really traded on the charm of such a great cast. Felt so lived in. Yeah, And for a Star Wars movie, felt like it had lots of interactions between characters who had interesting agendas and that were bouncing off of each other in a way that's different from the usual good versus evil backdrop. The fact that this movie doesn't really have a rebe- re- rebellion in it, it doesn't mention the word Jedi, it doesn't say the word Force. Force! Uh, no Force. Uh, the Empire is just sort of the cops in this. It's sort of yep. like you're living under a police state. I thought it was a really cool... I mean, granted, maybe to what we're saying here, they could have made a movie that was set in this world that was even more daring and more out there stylistically. Yeah. But if if we are fans of the franchise as I am and we enjoy the kind of stylistic cohesion and the look and feel of the world, I felt like this got down on the street level. I felt like I saw more creatures and prosthetics I was and costumes and sets. Yeah. And I want to call out particularly, um, oh, and I don't want to get his name wrong, Bradford Young, the cinematographer. Oh, yeah. I thought was 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 oh, one, of pe- uh, one, one of the one of those like Ram, secret Ram. weapons of this movie. Yeah. It really looked great. There were so many scenes where just the lighting was very naturalistic looking. The scene at the Sabak table where Han and Lando meet for the first time, yeah. and they're sitting there, and it's like it looks like a Renaissance painting or something with the color scheme, and these it's just full of creatures. Yeah. I felt like those moments really had this pop and this special thing to them that made this movie different from what I was... At worst, I was thinking, okay, maybe this movie will just be kind of like prequel level. And it is a prequel. And it does have some prequelitis things, like you said, where you find out the origin of certain things you didn't need yeah. to find out about. Those are moments you can kind of mentally edit out of a movie, like a line, a couple of lines. What was left was mm. a pretty unique story for the Star Wars universe. And I liked, the, I liked the part of the world that we got to see in this movie. So I don't think that it was this pure nostalgia retread that a lot of people are trying to say that it was. I do think it was trying to do something different. And I do think the cast is doing something unique. So Yeah.
0: The first thing that comes to mind when I think about it is that I mean it may be the the best thing about the movie and also the worst just because it's it's such a great part of this film and not quite as included in the the newer versions of Star Wars is like you said, how lived in this feels. Um there's something about the commitment that this movie really does when it comes to being where they are at any given time. That doesn't feel like it's, like, kind of shooting between locations. Mm -mm. Something I hate. You know, I fucking hate that. Yeah, we talked about that recently, too. Yeah, Yeah. and there's something about this movie that commits to them being in the spaces you see every... You know what? There's something uh, uh, I've been noticing a lot more as I get into, like, the 4K... 1080p highest definition stuff is as you watch any of the newer star Wars movies, if you pause it at any given time, it almost looks like a painting every time Mm -hmm. this one, that scene almost felt like the last supper. It almost looked like, you know, Lando in the middle, all these people around. I mean, like there was a commitment that this movie has to everything environmentally wise. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, so I went to uh, London and went to the Warner Brothers studio. It's where they film all those Harry Potters, right? Right. They showed some of the, the the background stuff that they did. They write everything that you see paper-wise is written by hand. There's something about that commitment to building a world Mm -hmm. that I noticed in that, that I never noticed in any of the other newer Star Wars movies. And that made me feel weird because I'm like, why, why didn't the other movies do right. that that made me irritated but it also made me love love the movie so for every flaw that that movie had there's something about how committed they were to that and how present every character felt in that environment that made this feel like i was down on the ground with them too and like they you said, Ronald, added...
1: they leave a planet because they're trying to get away, and we know why they're trying Man. to get away. You don't see the planet title card come up. It... Now, Steve and I were saying, we, it didn't mind, we didn't mind it in Infinity War when those title cards came up, but we all agreed that the first part of Rogue One was a mess of, oh, yeah, of cutting right. from one planet yes. to the next and giving you a title card without yeah. any context. Like, this why? movie felt like the context was the character, and I thought of you, Ronald. I read an interview with Lawrence and John Kasdan about the script where they said, and Lawrence Kasdan said, having written a lot of Star Wars, mm-hmm. he had fun... That they realized when he was that we were breaking the story that so often in a Star Wars movie, even if you like all the characters, there's a moment where you have to cut away to some other plot line. Mm-hmm. And he said, "There's always a moment when you're writing it, and you know oh, the audience is not going to be as interested in this other scene." Mm-hmm. And and they, you know the the job is to try to make it so that it's balanced out. But they said making this movie, they they, they enjoyed that they were following a character.
0: For a really long time, and so, in a good way. And
1: so there was never a moment where they had to cut away from what you might have been interested in. The bigger challenge was trying to figure out how to move through all of that with mm. your eyes kind of on this character the whole time. And I do think they did a little bit of a kind of a Forrest Gump thing with like, here's all the key moments in, in Han Solo's history. Yeah. But it was a pretty, the story had real momentum to it. So I think what yeah. you're saying is very true. That criticism that you offer, Ronald, has a lot to do with just what is the quality of the narrative that's 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 being told. Yeah. If they're not... If there's an like a lack of confidence in the narrative, there is a lot of that cutting around and showing different things, but if you're yeah. just kind of following the right character, I thought that was a neat aspect that did come off and it did make it feel different. Yeah. Like it doesn't there was no other group of characters that it had to go catch up with at any right. point.
0: I don't think there's anything wrong with taking one of the newer like trilogies or even the end of this one and focusing on one thing. Mm-mm. That's not crazy. I mean, like especially because the because the end of this is so important mm-hmm. you know what I mean if it stayed with it if it stayed in a scene for like 10 minutes and didn't go anywhere didn't have any cuts and all the cuts were within places that were close within close proximity I'm good with that right. I'm, I'm I'm perfectly good with that but in terms of just the story in general I mean I wish that I had something bad to say I I mean it it wasn't perfect no. I mean it it suffered from a little bit of like feeling like this amalgamation of all these things but that's that doesn't always feel like a bad thing to me. Like if, if you it felt like the t-
1: adventures of Han Solo and almost like yes. episodic story, so yes. it didn't all necessarily flow. But it, it was because it was focused on that character. You sort of felt like, oh, he's out of that fix, yeah. and and the idea that he's a character who just gets himself out of a fix and right into another fix yeah. was part of the plot. So I it felt like we were fine.
0: binging a season of a Netflix. Star yeah. Wars movie, and that, I mean that's not any insult to the quality. I'm not talking about the quality. No, I know what you're saying. Just the way the, these stories kind of like it was a clip show. Oh yeah, yeah. It's and the it, Han Solo clip show. Right, right. <laughs> and 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 what that does for me is it just lets me know that like, so say if say if people think that this is a bad version of this mm-hmm. Rogue One, Han Solo are bad versions of this. I think that because these two Rogue One and Solo are so different to me. Yeah, the, just the, the 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 differences in those two, even though they kind of had the same subject matter in a, a lot of ways. I mean, it's like band of people getting together to do some shit, right? Yeah. Even with that, and those stories being as different in the scale, it lets me know that like the side stories can be really good. And there's something about looking at these two. I think Disney's smart enough. I mean, for as much as they do the things that they do, they can look at these two and say, okay, these are two movies that are out we've committed to it so we yeah. know what to do next so i'm a little excited about whatever they do yeah whatever the side thing is now i i mean i, I feel like these two were they're testing the waters that this is uncharted territory mm-hmm. and we're kind of beta testing this whole idea we, we're the first to witness side stories that are not in a book mm-hmm. and i think that the d- despite the fact that that is you mm-hmm. know it's something that should be you know disney should know how it works and all that stuff they do not if somebody tells you they do they don't you got to put it out yeah you got to see on some level a side story and how it relates and hopefully maybe the next time it'll be a little more honed into whatever it is that well is the pulse of well
1: last jedi Jedi made a ton of money and got a pretty good critical reaction but got a huge weird fan
0: backlash this
1: movie is coming out now i think i i wouldn't I'm open to the idea that it could surprise people this weekend. It might do I better than will. people are thinking. And word of mouth might be better. I have no idea. I don't know what this movie's fate is going to be. But if if it goes the way people are picturing, it will be sort of an underperformer for Star Wars. So does that mean the fact that they now have a year and a half for J.J. Abrams to get Episode Nine out? Is this going to be like the epic course correction of trying to get... Are, are they going to try to unify all of those audiences? Or are they going to say well we're gonna do what we're gonna do but it's, it's Star Wars people will come along do you know what I mean are they gonna take the DC approach of we're just gonna keep making these movies because we're not losing money on them right. you know they'll, they're laughing all the way to the bank yeah. or is it going to be is there a way to bring all this back around and make it feel special again and not make it feel like there's just a Star Wars canon that's shooting Star Wars movies at us every, every so right. often do you know what I mean like can they get that special feeling back I I, I mean, say that having it love falls on you,
0: Steve. Whatever you say is going to be the fate <laughs> of this this whole thing. Yes,
1: yes, I think they can. You think they can? <laughs> Period. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you do mean, you know it, what I mean? It, that it, is a long time to get the next it one. Right is. I mean, I think
2: that's one of the reasons why it's backfired on them that this one's coming out so soon to Last Jedi, because you know, for a variety of reasons, coming out in the summer, it's a risky move because literally you have like a week to make a big ass chunk of money, right. and then next week. There's a big fucking movie, you know, coming at you, just yeah. like Deadpool. Yeah, under you know, number one made a little less than Deadpool one, but still a huge box office hit. Week two, Solo comes out. Yeah, yeah. you know, and Solo I think actually has a week after it to, to do a little leg work. But you know, when you put a movie out in the in the winter, like I feel like we've seen the last few Star Wars films, you have the holidays, you have this family thing. Yeah, you know, there's more rooms for these movies to make big, big box office. And I think it's risky to put it out in the summer, especially. And they didn't know it till it came out. What you just said about Jedi, like how divisive that like five became, five months
1: after a very divisive
2: yes, Star Wars movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 a it's a tough call. I mean, if if people go out and enjoy this film, that's only going to help them, and like the anticipation for Episode Nine mm-hmm. will only make it that much bigger, you know, and that much of a draw and an anticipation, and a, I'm sure a massive hit. But. um... Yeah, I mean, they totally can get it. I mean, it's Star yeah, Wars, right. and Disney knows what the hell they're doing. Um, there's no question about that. My only thing is, is, is like I think the fact that they haven't announced the, the specifics of a lot of this other stuff, or even what these next Star Wars stories are, I think they're maybe trying to make sure they get Episode Nine right. Right. 100% right, before any of that other stuff starts popping up. Yeah. To, to not distract from that because of what's happened with Jedi and what's happened with this one. But I mean, all that said, I agree with you guys. I really enjoyed it. Um, I, you know, there are some issues here and there. Um, there are some slow spots, some some characterization. I right. thought that was a little little light. I really liked Amelia Clark in it, which I Me don't too. really like her in a lot of the movies she's been in. I was not
1: expecting for her to be one of the strengths, but she actually yeah, was. And actually, was. her chemistry with Alden Ehrenreich was great. was great. It was. And so now that we're talking about that, before yeah. we get into spoilers, uh, real quick, let's just say, what did you think of the casting? There, there was a lot of. Hype or anti-hype, I guess, about Aldrin Ehrenreich and how problematic he had been and how they had to hire <laughs> acting coaches, and that that was the problem with the movie. When I, don't I see know. this movie, I just don't see that that was the case. I could no. see that maybe they were working hard on that characterization because it seemed like it's a load-bearing bit of acting. He, ha- he has to sell this character that people associate with another actor. But I, d- I thought he was the strength of the film.
2: I thought so he was this, really good. This is like everybody's asking me, I try to just ask: like, do you love Han Solo, the character? Right. Or do you love Harrison Ford yeah. as Han Solo? That's a the good character? question. I mean, I honestly—it's such a, a simple question. It is a valid question, but no, it, it is great. literally the litmus of whether you're going to really buy into right. Alden as Han Solo. Because mm-hmm. if you just love Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones on your wall, yeah. you know Harrison Ford Han Solo right. on, on on somebody's wall, you know it's not that. I mean, he is Han Solo the character. He does a great job at at embodying the things that you've right. come to expect from this character and you know at least a decade prior to the first time that you met him so you have to understand that there's going to be differences in this character yeah. than you met in the first trilogy mm-hmm. this is a character that's still developing over possibly the course of a decade before you meet him in that right. first trilogy mm-hmm. and whatever that time difference is but i mean i think there's so many things that you'll pick up on that, that is completely han solo yeah. that he gets right that he does really well and I think there's some other things happening with the character that you don't necessarily see in the Harrison Ford version in the first trilogy because of what he goes through in this film. Yeah, And I think that's important to differentiate because I think that's what people will pick apart, mm-hmm. like the, the hardcore people that they have the expectation and if you don't meet that or the story beat that you want, like in Jedi and they tear it apart, you know... Ray's parents weren't this person, and it's like fuck that movie. Right? You know, Han Solo doesn't do this exactly the way Harrison <laughs> right. Ford did Han Solo. Fuck, uh, you know this movie. Don't expect that. No. I'm not saying he doesn't do really well. He does, I but he's not you. Harrison Ford. I saw where, um, uh, I mean, you know, there's
1: his performance has been much of what has been been talked about going into sure. this, and I I've seen definitely reviews that make it sound like he's just terrible in the role, and I'm wondering how many of those people are are just, A, not fond of this kind of film or this kind of swashbuckling adventure, or just like you said, yeah. there's there's a Harrison Ford thing going on. I grew up, I mean, Star Wars came out when I was four. I saw it. I've I've been thinking about Han Solo since I was four years old so yeah. for about 40 years I've been thinking about right, Han Solo right. and I do love Harrison Ford and I love Indiana Jones too and I've often thought I don't want to see those characters recast they're iconic for him Yeah. and I thought Alden and Reich was great in this movie so I guess what I'm saying is if you, if you really love Harrison Ford and you really love Han Solo but you understand that they can't get <laughs> they can't go find a 25-year-old Harrison Ford right. to be in this movie. So what's the next best thing? How about an actor who really, as you said, Steve, puts his own spin on it, right. pays homage. I mean, he's not doing an impression. He captures more the vibe, the spirit. And I thought he did a, like an exceptional job to the point where watching him interact with different characters was part of the pleasure of of this movie as opposed to cringing hoping it wasn't going to start stinking i started enjoying the way like especially when he and donald glover are sharing the screen there's this swagger off between the two of them that was so amusing and so fun to watch and felt like those actors were really feeding off of each other
0: right Um, man i don't
2: know if i can get enough of donald glover right now you know what, man? I don't know. I I really enjoyed him in solo. I thought yeah. he was great as Lando, and yeah. I thought and I like him. I think he's great. Period. Mm-hmm. But some of the Lando stuff I didn't love. Like mm-hmm. some of not him as Lando. Right, right, right. He's great as Lando. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I want to see a Lando movie. I don't know. I, I don't know if either. I do. Honestly, I would like to see
1: maybe if they do another ensemble piece that that he's part of. He's in, right? right okay. Um, or I might even like to see if it's like a different angle on cuz this character we know he ends up running a city. Right. So showing something about that would be kind of cool. How did he go from this point to that point? But no, I think that uh I think it's interesting that Alden Ehrenreich didn't do an impression but Donald Glover kind of is doing an impression. Yeah. And it does feel a little Even bit like voice. sketch comedy-ish yeah. at points, but it, it's, I think that it's just a testament to the tone of this movie that, that it doesn't break the tone, that there's a sort of a, a larger-than-life character. Because yeah. Lando is a performance in the world, too. Yeah, you know, He's definitely. putting on a show. So, yeah, what did you think, Ronald DeVold and Reich?
0: I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it didn't feel like a, a spot-on impression, more of like inspired by, you know? Sure. I, and I like that. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that. Yeah. I don't mind somebody embodying parts of a person you know obviously there's like inflection and things like that that he can hit on i'm like all right okay i get that part he was i thought he was great um i think i think also i mean we gotta we gotta like set something straight i think that in general these are like this is like science fiction man like this isn't like daniel day lewis level (laughs) commitment to like we need to relax about all that stuff like I, i mean sure these are things we hold near and dear, but this is like some of this is just heightened craziness. A it's just bit. fun. It's yeah. fun and just yeah. relaxing. So true. It damn like p- people are talking like th- this is not again. I mean, I'm only say Daniel Day Lewis because he, that level of commitment to becoming a another person. I yeah. think for what it's worth, Donald Glover and the gentleman that played us uh, Han Solo did a fucking good job. I. I didn't feel like I got taken out of the movie at any point. I thought that they were really fun there's, to watch. There's definitely
2: a point that you cross, or at least that I felt like we I crossed when you're watching out in play Han Solo. Like for the first so many minutes of the movie, you're yeah. like, okay, I'm watching him be Han Solo. Yeah, oh, yeah but there's a definitely. point that changes over where you're just like, now I'm just watching Han Solo. Right. You know, it's like you're not even really watching that character anymore that actor be the character anymore right. you just begin at least i felt like begin to buy into the fact that that's just han solo Absolutely. that's just a younger yeah. han solo mm-hmm. you know and I, that's a that's a that's an accomplishment i mean i think i, I think, think that so says a- something about the performance
1: you know one of the things i think sells that steve <clears throat> and honestly i think this is a key thing with the audience uh buying into the appreciation of this character is that chewbacca is there and he seems to think it's on Solo. Yeah, and yeah. I really do think I think people love fucking Chewbacca. He's and so I think good. That, fucking great. And in I think this he's too. great. I was about to say if you if you love Chewbacca, this is the movie where you get to see some Chewbacca. Action. Everything you
2: wanted with Chewbacca. Everything you wanted out. to it's see there, him do.
1: Man. And I would even go on to say that the scene where they meet might be the best scene. In, the, in the film, like yeah. the scene yeah. where the most elements are coming together, and it's funny and exciting. But yeah, Chewbacca. I think the fact that Chewbacca is isn't saying, "Wait, you're not Harrison Ford." <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Hold> <laughs> he's got on. like a little detective <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I really do think that's part of it. It's like Chewbacca, even though it's a different actor playing him yeah. and he looks a little different. Um, and I and I realized something. He's uh, quick
0: on his feet in this one too. Ba-
1: back in uh, Star Wars, Chewbacca, who's essentially like an immobile dog face mask, you mm. know.
2: Yeah.
1: Harrison Ford through his performance, <laughs> made us buy into Chewbacca. Yes. And now Chewbacca is returning the favor to Han Solo by making us buy Alden Ehrenreich in the role. Yeah. And it's this perfect little symmetry, you know, it's similar yeah, to the yeah. way that like Luke and Yoda, Mark Hamill <laughs> looking at that puppet like it's real. Yeah, Makes you think it's real. And in this case, it's weird that the fake dog-faced alien man is what makes us able to accept, oh, yeah, okay, and this seems like Han because he's got Chewbacca standing next yeah. to him. And, I they've, and they've got that
0: rapport i understood chewbacca more this time yeah what was that is, is it just like a commitment to words more you, like you understood more? him i just
2: you know you speak Wookiee now
0: <laughs> it, no, i just be like situationally i'm like i got you could just gather what he you was can trying gather to gather more than i don't
2: know maybe they said maybe the because he said more things mm-hmm. he may be maybe so it's like more chances <laughs> they set up obviously the that would give you more
0: how you feel about robots with hips
1: Okay, L3, it was Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Yeah. She was a great addition to it, and I thought Woody Harrelson also
0: was a really warm presence yeah, and yeah. just
1: brought that vibe he brings to a movie. His image give does all the work for you of believing that this guy's like a rogue and kind of a, a scumbag.
2: I love I love just like what that relationship, while as short as it was with him and Han, mm-hmm. is like, is something that you know and you remember like how it affects him in the original trilogy. Right. You know, like the last interchange between them you know, when he sees what's going on and what what, what happens, if, I don't want to spoil anything, yeah. but, like, just the decision that Han makes in that moment to do, like, that's an informed thing that tells you a lot about things he does in the original trilogy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the way he feels about doing those kinds of things. Right, right. In the original trilogy, it's like, ah, oh, it, it kind of started there. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. prior to that point, that that's a tough call to make. And, like, the whole time, like, she's calling him the good guy, you yeah. know, and, and he's kind of like, I'm not the good guy, Yeah. you know. It's like you kind of are, but sometimes good guys make tough calls, right. and like that's fucking cool. That scene was really good,
1: right? The spoilers start now. I really liked the fight between Amelia Clark and Paul Bettany. Thought that was a good. cool scene because good. I didn't know—I honestly didn't know that she wasn't going to die. Like I kept thinking that character was marked for death because I thought it was going to be this part of Hans arc that they were going to try to say he's he's driven by this tragedy, and I was really glad at the end of the movie that they didn't kill that character. Not only is no. she kind of interesting, it's interesting to have her out riding around in this this yacht, you know, working for Darth Maul or whatever. But it's also just... It would have
0: been... What, the, a, what a twist.
1: It would have been the third... <laughs> uh Sports. female character sacrificed in this film to deepen the male character that cared mm. about her because uh Woody Harrelson's character loses yes. uh, Val, Vandy yeah, Newton's Tandy. character, Tandy, Tandy. Well, I've heard it both. Got to work ways. on these names. Yeah. Um I'm go with Tandy. I've been Tandy though. And then Lando losing L three his robot who this movie it's very very heavily intimated that they've had uh, relations. It before. just works. Yeah, it just
2: works, <laughs> or it works, whatever she says. <laughs> but I really
1: liked that beat and that note and what it did for his character, and I thought that was fun. But it did seem like okay, is every guy in this movie going to lose a female <laughs> character? that that he cares about and it's about his tragedy so i was glad that you know that you know what they call that you've heard the phrase fridging no you know what fridging is Mm -mm. in an old green lantern comic there was a story where green lantern's girlfriend got killed and chopped up and put in a fridge and he found her
0: that's so dark
1: and i gail simone she she coined the phrase fridging to say like when you rape or torture or kill a female character to further the character development of a male character oh wow and i would say we could look at uh gomorrah's death in Infinity War, as a possible fridging of her character, because right. it was about Thanos's character development, and it was about Peter's anger, Peter Quill's anger, more so than about Gamora. Maybe debatable. Right. Um, and I thought this movie dodged that neatly by not by not having her die. If she had died, it would have been kind of cheap, and I was really pleased. Also, I like the idea if they are going to come back to this grouping of characters, she's out there as an element. And what did you guys think of the reveal that Darth Maul is uh, still around and and an and, and element? You know i
2: loved it yeah i thought it was neat i mean mean, arguably some of the best stuff of the prequels was darth maul yeah so it's kind of cool to see that pop back up but then that circles back to my initial worry about these (laughs) stories like yeah how far do you lean into that stuff
1: see i think you can lean on
0: i
2: think you can
1: lean on darth maul
2: without leaning on
0: why did he take out a lightsaber when he was talking to her because you, you need the red reflection in her yeah. eyes. Oh, Didn't I mean, you
2: see when he yeah. popped it out? And <laughs> then Doesn't her- she
0: know what he can do? I mean, it's a weird well, I
2: mean, thing. I think it's-, it's supposed to show that she's like... Bad. It's, it's
0: like if Darth Maul or had an audience. He's like, bad. they're watching me. Okay, yeah. I'm going to kill. Yeah. And then he takes it. out. It's very showy.
2: But what's more iconic than just the, his face, though? His <laughs> yeah, double-ended sabers. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean,
1: people who followed the cartoons and the ancillary stuff have known mm-hmm. for years that his character supposedly survived Phantom yeah. Menace. But if you're, really I cool. did not. Right. And I think me, we me should either. be pure movie viewers. Right, yeah. Right. It, it's the it's the first confirmation that he's back. And it forced me to do a little timeline check in my mind of like, oh wait, so that was however many years before this. So he's been around. Around. And what I liked about it was, if Darth Maul is kind of a, a big bad, so to speak, in this mm-hmm. world, it doesn't step on anything. Like, Darth Maul is, a, is an yeah. operator. I don't think of him as connected to the Emperor, necessarily. I don't right. think of him as connected to the Sith or working against the Jedi. Or I just think of him as a guy who might have his own schemes. So it does not threaten any continuity to say that, that Darth Maul and Han Solo could have crossed paths at some point. And that comes around to that final point I want to make, which is this movie's best decision was... And they handled it well. They didn't fuck up Han's arc in A New Hope. Yeah. Like, he's, at the end of this, he's still a scoundrel who has not embraced any kind of heroic self image. Han and Chewie are almost like straight up, we're, we're just smugglers. They're just yeah. going to work for Jabba, which is, yeah. there were like maybe three or four of those moments that I didn't think the movie needed. We didn't need the, I'm going to have to give you a nickname moment. Or that crew, like the start of the rebellion and things yeah. like that. You know I what, what I thought was going to bother me, but didn't? That his name, Solo, is something oh, they yeah, put into yeah. the system so he He's could go through the door. Oh, 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 oh. I thought that was when I heard, we're going to hear the origin of his name. I was like, isn't that just his last name? But the way it manifested in the movie, it doesn't bother me that he has yeah. like a stage name, so to speak. Uh, it, it's a little bit unnecessary, but my point is it, that didn't bother me. The other moments where it felt like the movie kind of stopped to have that moment, right. it's like you just don't need that. You don't. I don't
2: need those little explanations
1: of yeah. you know,
2: why he's wearing boots or yeah, whatever. There's, just, you there's know? a handful of those scenes, and there's some dialogue that's kind of weak and a little, little corny. That's in all the Star it's Wars, all Wars all movies. <laughs> if someone's
1: thinking they're not going to enjoy this
2: because it's a prequel, yeah. there's enough
1: prequel stuff problems i in agree it, i agree that you can look for those problems and be bothered by them but sure. if you go in with just both eyes open and as you've said it's star wars it's always been a little corny yeah. it's always been a little heightened it's always been a little yeah.
0: messy yeah.
2: uh and that's okay yeah there's nothing wrong with that i think that something that is so underappreciated is like how well ron howard can shoot some action scenes mm-hmm. yeah i don't know did you guys ever see rush the uh, chris hemsworth yes the, the the pace car i mean the formula one car yes there's amazing action sequences in that film. It's a beautiful and, and that moment. train sequence in this movie I thought was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Looked so good, like yeah, the geography the, of the action yeah, was really the, good. The, the, the idea of like hanging onto the side of the train and the train's rotating, so then you're standing on the train mm-hmm. and like the people coming in to steal what they're trying to steal have uh, oh no, no 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 the 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 guards had like magnetic boots so they could just like walk around it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that shit was really cool. Was really cool. Like that yeah. was a cool little thought, like a well thought through. How could a, how could this heist go wrong, in every possible way? Like in yeah. terms of the alarm going off too soon, and another crew coming in to try to steal it right from under you, mm-hmm. um, while still understanding where everybody is. Like where she's trying to set yeah. this bomb off, and she's getting attacked. Um, that scene
0: scared me. I'm not gonna yeah. lie to you. It made yeah. me uncomfortable. I'm it's like, a cool scene, and like I just love that that
2: visual of like a train rotating as it's going around yeah. a curve. Just. Just the dynamics of that is really cool. Do you
1: think they already have the roller coaster people working on that dude, for the theme park? Done. <laughs> done. Yeah, already.
2: Oh, no doubt. It's
0: already coming up. It's <laughs> happening, dude. It's, it was so um, cool, man.
2: Yeah, that's a cool, cool sequence. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just... I feel like he gets like he... And I, and I kind of feel this way myself at, at times. That he's kind of like a very safe director right. a lot of times. But he's made some things that have some really incredible set pieces. Yeah. And um, Rush comes to mind first because I, I forgot was, that was a I love that movie. It was great so movie. surprisingly good. Um, but this one there's a couple really cool action sequences in it mm-hmm. that are easy and clear to watch that I think sometimes doesn't happen with some of the Star Wars movies.
0: One of the last ones was really good. The one with Amelia Clark, the one yeah. you, The fight scene. Yeah the the, the last, fight scene
2: yeah, it was so good. Yeah.
0: You yeah. know th-
1: his character Paul Bettany's character was originally A motion capture character played by Michael K. Williams.
2: Oh, that's what—that's who he was. What? And then with the
1: reshoots, and then when when, when Ron Howard came on, Michael K. Williams was busy. Yeah. And they couldn't oh. bring him in, and then. But Ron, but I also had heard that Ron Howard wanted that character to be human. He didn't want it to be motion capture. Oh, but man. I think that could have been Michael K. Williams. The thing is, I was sad about that. that. Makes me so sad. I was sad about that, and honestly, until I saw how great Paul Bettany was in that role, he's I great. Thought, I thought he, he was great, and it's
2: great that it's live action. Yeah, yeah. I gotta say, I thought he was kind of scared. I would have been bothered if it was like a CG character. His
0: was it like he did had his scars face get and darker. He had, darker? Like, yeah. when he got angry. His scars, his, got like, eyes, too, his eyes yeah. got yeah, redder. Red. Yeah. yeah, it got really dark, and he almost looked like it looked like flames almost. Mm-hmm. When, when at some of those scenes, I thought that was.
1: But it's sad that Michael K. Williams didn't get a chance to be that major of a character. Yeah. You know? like yeah. hopefully he gets something down yeah. the line. Well, I mean, world. they can always stick him in another one. I, right, you know, right. that didn't sound like there was any animosity, yeah. but I'm sure that chaps his ass that he yes. was going to be oh. the, the heavy in, in a Star Wars movie. God. Anyway, well, I don't really have much else to say except, I mean, I think you—if you're listening—you already know if you're going to see this. Yeah, Yeah. go
2: see Solo. Yeah, Yeah. you know what I mean. Like it's a—it's a lot of fun. I feel like in a lot of ways, it's—it's almost like if you're not sure how you felt about Last Jedi, if you were on you know whatever side of it, I think this is kind of like a palate cleanser. It's just entertaining. It's fun. It moves fast. Mm -hmm. Um, The first thirty and last thirty are really great. And um, yeah, that's a good. Way so to put just it. you know, go enjoy it. Just have fun. It's it's freaking Han Solo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have fun, laugh, enjoy the characters that you've always loved, and see what this new story looks like. Yeah. It's a go ahead for movies movie. I think. Yeah.
0: yeah. Last thing I was gonna say is, uh, this is one of the uh, other movies that I felt like when this comes home. Oh yeah. It's going to be one of those movies that I'm probably going to watch. You're like, just going to put parts. it on. I'm going to watch it a lot. Yeah,
2: It's such an easy like background yeah, It's like, watch. yeah, you yeah, just watching totally.
1: it. Yeah. If you so. judge a Star Wars movie based on how many knobs and switches and levers, <laughs> I don't know if that was a Ron Howard touch or a Lord and Miller touch, but I liked all those quick cuts throughout the movie of something they're doing. Everything felt very uh, tactile in this movie. There's
2: something I love about movies, but specifically in this Star Wars world, in Force Awaken, it happens when Rey is fighting... Uh, uh, shit, Ben Solo, uh, Kylo Ren, Kylo Ren, and like, there's a shot where like the lightsaber's right by her face, and you can like basically feel the world vibrating. Yeah, yeah. And there's a shot in this movie when they're trying to get out of the Kessel Run, and and like the booster doesn't turn on, and then it's that rear shot of the Falcon, and it kicks on. Yeah. And you just, they're in this like galaxy. Yeah. But you just, I just felt yeah. the screen vibrate. Yeah. Yeah. When That's that really kicked cool. on. And that was like that moment in the movie for me that I felt like watching Force Awakens, where I was like, "This, I, I feel my body just vibrating." That moment, you know, like while I think that whole sequence wasn't great, um, that moment mm-hmm. in that sequence, yeah. when that when those boosters kick on and the whole thing is like, you can just feel the screen doing that. That's amazing. It's like how you're seeing the heat that. mirage
1: effect yes. almost on it. Yeah, yes, yeah.
2: it's like it's like it's kind of like wavy and distorted a little bit. Mm-hmm. I love it when that happens in the movies. And yeah. like the lightsaber scene, like when she's so close to it, she can just see the matter around it moving. Yeah. Oh God. But that scene in this movie made me feel the same way and it's that you know, like that 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 jump to light speed moment. Mm-hmm. It's just like yeah. that never gets old, man. No, it doesn't. Yeah. It's it so fucking fun. That's a four year old just coming out, Oh of me, yeah, I'm sure. Sure, but yeah, it's a fun movie. movie. You can tell it's we've had a good time watching at
1: four and forty-four and at almost every age in between. Steve, I I, I can get excited about Star Wars. It just works. Yeah, (laughs) it just works. Trust me.
2: (laughs) Thankfully, it still does. Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, So that's it, man. Solo is out this weekend. Go check it out. If you were on the fence about it, hopefully this pushes you off of it and you you go buy your tickets. Cool. Um, We'll be back next week. Talking with a local filmmaker, has a film premiering uh, here in Baltimore at the Historic Senator Theater. Mike Venazzo has been on the show before. His new movie, Bored in the USA, yes. is coming out, and uh pretty huge thing. They're getting like the big screen and everything. No, I know, so, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We're excited it's, to yeah. have him on the podcast. We'll have him here next week talking about um, the making of that movie and some films that maybe inspired it. And like, how did he get the guy to do the score that he got for his I, film? I hear yeah. like he knew someone who knew someone Jeez. who may have just been the person himself, right? Yeah. but um, he got somebody huge, so we're going to talk that, break right. that news, mm-hmm. see how that goes. <laughs> uh, you can find us on facebook.com slash movie schmovie, movie com, and basically every podcast platform you could find podcasts on, mm-hmm. and if you don't find us, let us know so that we can get there. And uh, if you listen to us or subscribe to us, or however you do it, even if you stream us through a page... If you can leave a comment, share it, review it, whatever you can do, it, it's always appreciated, and it helps. Um, it helps legitimize our podcast, and helps people find us. Hopefully, yeah. Um, but as always, you've made our day. Thanks, Bye. Lando. Fuck that robot.
0: <laughs> Dude.
2: I love how like the, the article's article is like, screenwriter has confirmed he is pansexual. Yeah. It